So I'm going to read a scripture passage from Colossians, and when Bob comes up, he's going to read the text from a different chapter in Colossians for the sermon he has titled, Living Out the New You. And I'm going to be reading this from the English Standard Version, so it might be a little bit different in your Bibles. It's from Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. And Bob's going to read from Colossians 3, 1 through 16. This is titled, The Preeminence of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If needed, you continue in the faith, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I'd like to call up on Pastor Bob now to share with us. Hey, thank you. Uh, it's great to be with you here today. I've uh, been fellowshipping here a few Sundays with you and getting to know some of you and some of the names, but some of the names have slipped. So when you see me again, give me your names, and I would really appreciate that as I get to know you a little better being part of this congregation. Um, reading from uh, Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1 through 16 or 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which, uh, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, put to death or put off. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, <clears throat> slander, obscene talk with, from your mouth. Do not lie one to one another, 
seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. And above all, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Powerful words. Paul, in these 93 verses in Colossians, is focusing on the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about his preeminence in creation. He talks about his preeminence in the church. He's the head of the church. And he talks about the preeminence in your salvation and and, uh, how he has delivered you by his death on the cross. And, and has brought us into his family. And as he says in First uh, Corinthians, that he's regenerated you. He's made you a new creature. And now when he talks to us and he exhorts us about various things in life, he is speaking to the new you, not to the old you. And the problem is that when we become Christian, when we become uh, uh, come into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ by his grace and putting faith in him, uh, somewhere along the line we begin to shift in our mind and say, I have to do this and I have to, don't, <laughs> I have to stop doing this. And all of a sudden we get into a legalistic format of living. Did that ever happen to you? It sure did to me. And if people didn't do exactly like I did, they couldn't be very good Christians. Did that ever cross your mind? And uh, when we're walking with God, it's a different thing. Living out the new you isn't part of do's and don'ts. And this is what Paul is referring to here. If you read these 93 verses... I've been trying to remember, <laughs> memorize them over the years, and I haven't gotten through it yet. But he is speaking to them because they are being invaded with ideas and philosophies and teachings that is putting them under bondage of, of a legalistic lifestyle and a ritualistic lifestyle. And, and he says these appear to be wise, but they take away the preeminence of Christ in the whole realm of Christian living. And so it puts it on us to do. 
and not what Christ has done and will do and is doing in your life. The preeminence of Christ, how does that show in one's life? How does that get to uh, where we're living? Is it really real that you can live the new you? What is that life like? In um, chapter one, forget the verse 26, I believe it is, he says, this life in you is, he says, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what the Christian life is about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he does this teaching from chapter one all the way through chapter two, verse five. And in verse six, he starts with this dynamic word, therefore. Therefore. Sometimes you say, well, what's the therefore, therefore? And, but what he's saying here, now that you understand all of this, now that you comprehend what I've talked about, about the preeminence of Christ, not only in creation, not only in the church, not only in your life, what's the next step? And he says that next step in chapter two, verse six. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ, the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive Christ? We receive him by faith. How do you walk in him? You walk in him by faith. What does that look like? What kind of a life is that? Go to chapter three, which I just read. There's three sets of doublets or couplets. I looked up the word doublet, and it's not even in the dictionary, but couplets. There's three sets of couplets in chapter um, three. And just to put an eye on it, or if you want to underline it, and I hope you do underline this, first set is in in verse one and two. Seek, set. Seek and set. We'll talk about that. The next one is found in verse nine, verse 10. Put off, put on. Something to put off, something to put on. And the last is in verse 15 and 16. Let the peace of Christ and let the word of Christ do something kind of resolve in there. Let's look at these a little bit. The first is seek and set. This is the focus of the new you. When you're living in your life on your daily routine, there is a... um, a foundational focus in your life that Paul says that should be part of the new you, seeking and setting there. It starts with a mindset. You seek after those things that where you, on those things where you set your mind, right? Um, I worked with the company once and uh, in order for you to get to the goal of what you wanted to do, put the picture of the thing that you dream about on the refrigerator. You ever had that happen to you? Then I worked with another company, and that company (laughs) uh, 
we were selling uh, death, well, uh, preparation to die things. <laughs> that was an interesting business to be in. And, and after my training and all of that, they put a goal. Set, set your mind on getting to that goal of so many thousands of dollars a month. And I never reached that goal because <laughs> that wasn't where my mind was set at the time. They put me in another position afterwards. But <laughs> I was a, what do you call a community education coordinator, and uh, that's another story. But uh, whatever you set your mind on, that's what you're going to seek. And Paul says here, if then you have been raised with Christ, that is, the new you, seek those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. Now, of course, on practical daily life, there's things that you have to do and, and you know, certain goals that you set here, but undergirding that, the focus of all of these things that you do should be Godward, Christward. He's foundational. Lord, you've given me this business. You've given me this farm. You've given me this work to do here. Now, Lord, help me to set what I do here toward heaven, not to be bound up in just earthly things. And then I'll seek, be seeking you, Christ Jesus, how you will come into this part of my life. The legalist says you have to do this, this, and this to get close to God. The psalmist says in Psalm 42, as the deer pants after the streams of water, so my soul pants after you, O God. And like the psalmist and like Paul, setting your mind on things above, begin seeking those things above. You know what will happen? One of the things that will happen when you start seeking things that are above where Christ is, when you're setting your mind on the things that are above, you will be open to be thinking about God's concerns and interests in the lives of people. There's so many out there that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And you begin to say, Lord, how will you use me? How will you use my business? How will you use the kind of work I do to touch these lives that they may know the glory of your salvation? Wow. God is not willing that any should perish. That, that's his. And, and you jibe with Christ who came and died for them. How how we need to be focusing there and seeing how that mindset will seek his will in the lives of others. Yeah, seek and set. The second one. Put off, put on. Those expressions in the Greek relate to, they relate to Changing your clothes. 
since Carol and I moved into up, up to uh, rural Ponoka, and my clothes are in three different closets, uh, seven or eight different drawers. Some are down in a box in the basement. Some are out in the garage. Some are all over th- this place. I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to find a suit. I have a different wardrobe I'm wearing today than I wore yesterday, which is jeans and a kind of a work shirt and different shoes and, and socks. Paul is saying to the Christian, change your wardrobe. Put off those old duds. Put on the new duds. What are the old duds? Clothes to put off. Anger. That's a settled attitude that leads to um, resentment and uh, enragement. And he talks about rage. And those are angry outbursts that in the end where people, people in the end get hurt through rage. Malice, in the sense used here, means meanness and malicious gossip. It's embraced in that word here. Blasphemy, using abusive words when speaking with others. Filthy language, those are obscenities. Innuendos, suggestive expressions which cover impurity. Lying, that is deliberate untruth or half-truth with the purpose to misdirect the thinking of the person you're speaking to and to hide truth. Put those away. Nothing about... uh, don't, ear, don't wear earrings. Don't let your hair, or don't cut your hair, or leave your hair long. That's none of those kinds of things. It's dealing with an inner attitude. Those things that are part of the old nature, put away, put off, discard. They're rotten. They stink. They're not to be part of our lives. Notice that all of these deal with personal relationships we have with each other and with the community around us. So, the first thing is put off. In order to put off, you need to know what they are in your life, what level they are, to what extent they have control in your life, to what extent they are observable by others. Some are more dominant than others in our old nature. These things all belong to the old nature. They're the part of the old you, not the new you. And Paul goes on, he says, put on, he says, put on. What do you put on? You're changing your wardrobe. It's a wardrobe of the new, new you. And this is what it looks like. Compassion. A sympathetic concern for others. Kindness. Desiring another man's good and providing for it. Humility. That is having a true estimate of yourself. 
and to see yourself as an object of God's mercy so that I'm able to show mercy to others. Gentleness. Not insisting on my own rights. Having a spirit of quiet submission. That's a hard one. Forgiveness. It's a way of reconciling broken relationships. Well, we say, well, I resolved the issue. I left the church. That does resolve. I don't like the pastor. I don't like what's going on in church right now, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it. That resolves the issue, but that's not reconciliation. And reconciliation is coming to be able to come together and find, uh, you know, I think some way I, I hurt you. Uh, help me understand how I hurt you so I can receive forgiveness. Or, We've either come to a misunderstanding, I don't know, but what you said or did or whatever has hurt me, but I want you to know I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. That's a big, big subject. Because I don't know in all the, I think it's 52 years now I've been in this kind of work, where I've been in any kind of a congregational setting where there hasn't been uh, a, a strain in people's relationships and uh, not knowing how to reconcile. We come about and say, well, if I've done anything, if I hurt you, I'm f- forgive me. You know, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't do anything. Somehow we have to speak out, I've hurt you somehow, explain, help me understand how I did that and what I did. Anyway, that's forgiveness is a big one. And then he says, love, which is the belt that binds up all of these things, all of these virtues. It knits us together and brings completeness. Now, I've used this text before. I have a, had a men's group. We called it mug, like a mug you drink from, men under God. But we always had coffee in a mug and we drank and we visited. And, and I'd ask the question, how well do you wear this new wardrobe? Hmm. Oh, not, not, not very well. <laughs> Is that your feeling? Some things you probably well wear better than other things. Uh, you, in your own assessment of things. If you put Christ in the picture of that, he's compassionate, he's kind, he's humble, he's gentle, he's patient, he's forgiving, he's love. And if Christ is in you, Christ in you is compassionate. Christ in you is kind. Christ in you is gentle. Does that make a difference? of how you put on this wardrobe, you're putting on Christ. You're giving him preeminence in your life and it shows as you live out these attitudes. 
as these virtues come forward, the Holy Spirit gives the energy and the power to live this kind of life. You may not even notice it yourself, but others around you will notice and say, what makes you like that? And you can tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That's the spiritual wardrobe. And when these become evident in your life, it's not you that's the focus. The supremacy of Christ in your life, the lordship of Christ in your life comes through clear. Do you understand what I'm saying? The third couplet is let the peace of Christ rule. Right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Nothing demonstrates the supremacy of Christ in in your new life, in the new you, then how the peace of Christ governs your disposition, especially when you face difficult circumstances and hard-to-understand situations that you encounter in life, whether it's an illness, loss of finances, whatever it is. And you allow the peace of Christ to rule That'll demonstrate in a dynamic way the preeminence of Christ in your life. Now, Rod spoke this morning and are getting caught at the border. <clears throat> That's an interesting experience. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw us on border crossing uh, or not, or whatever that show is. But when we finally got some of that ironed out and we were heading back down to the States again, well, we couldn't, she couldn't get in. We went, came back here, flew here, got all the documents we could, filled a three-ring binder with five sections, and uh, brought that down. But you know, God was filling our hearts with his peace. And he led us not only to the right border crossing, but to the right border official. And he then doing that right along. But it's his peace that controlled. Wow. And to experience, either God means what he says in his words, or he doesn't. If he, if he can't be trusted, if I can't trust this word, then let's, let's throw it out and go do our own thing, right? Let the peace, that's a resolve. It's a resolve of the new life. I make that resolve. I'm going to let the peace of Christ dwell in me richly. Here's what else will happen. You'll be open to finding, open and and at ease, finding God's will, God's leading in a particular situation 
rather than stumbling around in your own worry and anxiety as to what am I going to do. Another way to put it, when you're walking where Christ is at ruling, his peace is ruling in your life, here's what'll happen when you bump into those situations you don't like and have find hard to accept is, well, I'll be more concerned for God's glory than for my own relief. I can then walk around in peace and say, God, I don't understand what's going on here, and I don't like it, but I'm eager to see what you're going to do about it. I'm really eager, and I'm letting your peace rule in my life in this thing. Just aside, I'm waiting for John to shout out amen somewhere along the line. He promised me he would do that, but he's <laughs> he hasn't done it yet. That's okay. So we need to let the peace of Christ govern the disposition in our life in all situations, in relationships, in circumstances, in whatever we encounter in life that may be disagreeable. You know what that is in your life. There's another resolve here. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Wow. We live in an age where the common thinking overall in our country here and in the States, around the world, is that there is no absolute truth. And sometimes as Christians, you know, because we imbibe in all this type of cultural thing, we sometimes kind of dip into that a little bit and it says, well, uh, nothing can help in this situation. There's nothing uh, answerable. I hit this thing in my life and, and, and everything changes in the wrong direction. And for the Christian, the, the only thing it is that we need to rest in the unchangeableness of God and this word. He means what he says. And it's important for us to let that word so dwell in our hearts, so um, to grab a hold of us in such a way that it, it, it springs out in this. I have two uncles that are atheists. They're both gone now. And I was uh, just a Bible school student and uh, one uncle flew up from Washington, D.C. He was um, uh, an official there and he, to speak at a graduation in the community I was growing or lived in or my folks lived in. <clears throat> and my other uncle went down to the airport to pick him up and they came to my folks' home. They visited for a while and I came out to the kitchen and, and uh, sat there with them. 
But all through the night, my, my folks went to bed. My two uncles and I were talking about this word and about the viability of the existence of God. And, and, and I don't know, God empowered in certain ways to help me engage in conversation with uncles and to gain openness from them for the rest of their lives. But they didn't come to faith in Christ. But the word of God, because I was a Bible school student, was, was very rich in me at that time. We, we talked till the sun rose the next morning. And uh, I don't know, I have to leave with God where they are in glory now, but let the word of God dwell in you richly, it says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing praises, singing hymns, psalms, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your heart. I know one person who uh, takes the word and, and composes spiritual songs on the basis of what she's read and what she's taken in and it helps her to get uh, a grip on the, not just on the words of scripture but the meaning and the truth of what is being said. Well, if I was in my other church they would uh, start looking at their watches like I just did. I'm glad you didn't. But think about it, friends. How does Christ reign supreme in your life and mine these days? Do we seek those things above? Is that where our mind is set and we seek those things above? How, how, how are we doing with putting off the old clothes and putting on the new of the new you? How are we allowing the Holy Spirit to, to uh, redirect our thinking and our attitudes and our disposition because we are in Christ and he wants to become dominant. You know, the goal of the Christian, you know what that is? And this is what is all involved is becoming more and more in every way like Christ. That's the simple, that's what Paul says in Ephesians. Becoming more and more in every way like Christ. And this change of wardrobe is a part of that. And as you go through the days and you get up in the morning or whatever hour you get up in that, taking time in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, but most of all, getting not only getting into the Word of God, but getting the Word of God into you and out into daily life. That is so important. So, I'm looking at a group of people who are new in Christ. You are in him, he is in you, and he is glorifying himself in and through your life. If you don't know any of this, and all that I'm saying is a a bunch of confusion to you, talk with somebody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, find out how to come new 
you in Christ. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just undertake for us today. We confess to you, Lord, that we need Jesus. We've always needed Jesus because, Lord, without Jesus, we're totally lost. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son for loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus to create in us a new life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have, were willing to come. You who created the universe and all these things lay as a baby in a manger and grew up incarnate, God incarnate, in human likeness to save us, to die on the cross, to suffer pain and isolation and the very judgment of God against you, Lord Jesus, because you bore our sin. Thank you, Lord, that you rose again from the dead, and then you sent us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to make and clarify this word of God, this truth to us in our heart and our life, and to be able to be your mouthpiece to speak this truth to others. Bless us today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.